got a mouthful of fucking pizza right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, we were on deployment, and, like, they're like, hey, steak and fucking lobster, or, you know, here's a hot meal or whatever. You always get some bad fucking news. Am I right? Absolutely. <laughs> it's when we found out that we got our uh, deployment extended by by three months. It's always an extension, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's never like, here's steak and lobster and beer, and oh, by the way, you're going home early. Mm-mm. No. Absolutely not. No, it's uh, the only time you go home early. It was like, oh, yeah, like if you're you know, in the Arctic Circle for another day, you get like the Arctic campaign ribbon. Oh, no, no, we're going home a day early. <laughs> like, we're like, hey, you know, like the cheerleaders are coming out or something. Like, oh, no, no, you're, go- you're going home a day early. <laughs> Never. People cringe when you get the steak and lobster announcement yep. in the plan of the day, for sure. Welcome to the smoke pit. Hey. So our guest today, Leslie, she's a, a Navy veteran and the um, the founder of Climb4, a uh, nonprofit that does a lot of spectacular things. So, uh, Leslie, um, you mind if I ask you a personal question? Sure. Did you let all the other girls in your section know that they were ugly compared to you, or were you like gracious and like benevolent about it and just like allowed them to exist in their in their um, in their denial? <laughs> so, uh, funny story about uh, my first command. I actually was stationed. In, I got stationed in Hawaii. My uncle got me the orders. He he did. Tw- 27 years in the Navy and before he got out that was his kind of gift to me asked me where I wanted to go and I said Hawaii and uh, what he didn't tell me was that he had gotten me on to a guided missile cruiser that was newly integrated meaning that females had just gotten placed on board oh boy uh, it was a it was a previously it was a, an all-male ship uh, so when I got on board I very quickly realized that I was one of a handful of women on that ship out of 400 sailors, give or take. Um, and it was pretty interesting uh, that one of them uh, showed me down to the birthing area where I'd be sleeping. It was a 50-man birthing. Oh, go on. It's just <laughs> and, not interesting. And where you would see, you know, where a normal sailor would go down to a birthing and see a bunch of, you know, people getting dressed or you know, whatever the case may be, I, I went down to, I went out, went down to an empty birthing, essentially, where all of the mattresses were uh, triced up, meaning they had not been used um, or occupied. Um, out of a 50-man birthing, there were only three um, used mattresses or made mattresses, and uh, I asked where all the females were, and they told me that we were it, and it was me, um, an IT2, who seemed to be of Russian descent, <laughs> and uh, yeah, because we we mentioned on a previous episode with my uh, my escapades in Russia that Russian women are either a one or a ten, yeah. and they're they're uh, no exceptions, right? Either a supermodel or a henchman, right? Henchman. So, <laughs> uh, uh, so there was that, and then there was um, I want to say she was a CTR, and she was a an embarrassingly overweight individual. Um, so to even imply that I would need to bring attention to that fact, (laughs) (laughs) it's just not even necessary. Wow. Like I was expecting like a humble response, like, oh no, they're pretty in their own way or there's some good lookers. They're like, no, one straight up look like she hopped out of a, um, a basket of radishes with a submachine gun and the other was just a huge lunchbox. (laughs) 
It's basically what I walked into. <laughs> I, I was just as unprepared for it as they were for me, I'm sure. Oh, man. So, like, uh, if you're not familiar with it, a lunchbox uh, is a term for fat people. I often refer to myself as I but I have my third slice of pizza. Uh, a block-like object that is filled with food. So if you think of, like, a lunchbox that you had growing up. Uh, so if, uh, if your friends don't know what that is, uh, just call them a lunchbox and... <laughs> Um, refuse to tell them what the, what it is until they listen to the podcast. We'd really appreciate that. <laughs> Send them on over to the podcast. <laughs> so you um yeah you were in the Navy and you were in damage control. Mm-hmm. Can you well, tell us a little bit about that. Sure, I was a damage controlman. Uh, I was in charge of uh, maintaining and repairing uh, firefighting equipment uh, throughout the ship. Uh, so that be your SCBAs, the gear that you put on to uh, to breathe fresh air. So if there's like a big ass fire on the ship, um, it was your your section's responsibility to put it out. Absolutely, fantastic. And um, did you ever have to fight a big ass fire? I did. I did have to fight a fire. No, was... on on the size of asses, like um, one being like a small Russian ballerina ass, and then like a seven being mine, and then like a ten being a Kardashian ass. Uh, how big ass was this fire? It was a multi thousand dollar fire for sure. Uh, I don't know how to compare that. Um, is my ass worth multi thousands or? Oh, I mean, it's worth more than that. So I guess <laughs> not substantial. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, the first time you stared down those flames, like what, what was the first thing that went through your head? Um, I was I was basically kind of uh, shell shocked. I I was really I was really scared, and I basically just followed the leader, uh, the leader being uh, my first class, who was uh, in charge of our entire damage control. Was his nickname Bull, like Kurt Russell in Backdraft? No. It should have been. <laughs> no, he was this super funny Hawaiian Hawaiian guy. Uh, always listened to, like, island reggae. and. <laughs> but then he goes over and just, like, stomps chill. out fires yes, and stuff. Yes, and awesome. when it came down to it, he was, like, shoving people out of the way and yelling. And I was like, where did this come from? He was listening to, like, you know, a song about pineapple and <laughs> ukulele is like three seconds ago and now he's just like running the show fury. Yeah. yeah and so um taking your experience in the navy uh how did you translate that into your desire to do a nonprofit? uh the my desire to start a nonprofit started after the military when i kind of decided that um we weren't given enough information before we got out for one Um, And we weren't given enough support when we got out, Um, regardless of how much information that we had before we got out of the Navy. I'm sure, I don't know what the Marine Corps takes you through, if it's TAPS class or... Absolute garbage. Okay, yeah, exactly. So just like the Navy, um, even if you felt that you somehow uh, benefited from that week-long class where they teach you how to write a resume and... Uh, convert all of your Navy skills to um, convenient PDFs that <laughs> your future employers will ignore. Exactly. Um, once you, you know, if you if you've decided that that is something that you benefited from, and then you go out into the world and you realize you are less prepared than you thought you were, and then on top of that, it it's very very hard to find um, the 
the people that are willing to help you because there's not enough um, advertisement toward it. So Yeah, and uh, so uh, meat and potatoes down to it. Uh, we talked a little about it earlier how, you know, you'd, uh, you'd gotten out of the military mm-hmm. and, like, things weren't going the way that, that you expected. Right. And you were kind of bouncing from job to job. Right. And then so you found yourself at this point where you just decided, you just said, fuck it, I am just going to go get lost in the woods for a prolonged period of time. Right, yeah. And so, so you went and you did that. And so you kind of identified like the um, like the the need to be properly equipped for that, as you were saying, like how you need to be properly equipped when you get out of the military, you know, have the information and the tools at hand, just like when you're, you know, you're hiking um, any substantial trail, you need the proper equipment. Exactly. Absolutely. And that that's kind of how it snowballed into effect. Um, All of my gear when I went hiking uh, or when I was preparing for that hike. Uh, all that gear was donated to me by friends who were in the military who was issued that gear. So so would you say it was quite the journey? It was. <laughs> <laughs> and so then from once you started to um, once you started to prepare for this, um, we, we talked about that you, you had a little bit of tragedy along the way and that kind of really shaped um, the mission of the company moving forward. Right. So um, I had a very good friend of mine she was in my damage control um division on my last ship that i was stationed on and so she wasn't one of the ugly ones no this was this was a the second ship and Mm. we had plenty of of pretty females on board that one beautiful human being i don't know how they choose them yeah and she was gorgeous actually she was beautiful and um she she committed suicide while i was back home uh dehydrating food for the trail and not to say that I thought that Candace um, would have benefited from a, a six-month-long backpacking trip, but I'm not saying that she couldn't have either. Yeah. Um, so I, what my belief is, there are never too many ways to help a veteran. You know, where some veterans might benefit from shooting a gun at a range, or you know, going to therapy or participating in you know in dance self-expression oh, yeah. you know there there are so many outlets that that should be available to veterans uh, specifically veterans just because we are um, a different breed of human I feel like there's you know there's only so much that a civilian will get when it comes to um, like military hardships um yeah totally understand and so <clears throat> when you were when you were forming the name mm-hmm. uh we spoke a little bit about how originally that it was um climb for candace it was and then your marketing team made the decision to um to just change it to climb for so that way when people were expressing their stories in conjunction with your company they were able to you know input the name of their loved one so it Correct. wasn't you know, it's not just full, uh, solely about one person. The idea that one person's loss can lead to the salvation of many is kind of seemed like where did that where that came from. Absolutely, and extremely I, important. That's fantastic. And so, uh, if you if you had to boil it down, what would you say the biggest thing that you do to um, to contribute to this problem would be? I would just say we're another outreach hand um, to grab for. Yeah, I get that because there might be plenty of options out there, but you know, like you said, we're, we're veterans, and if uh, you know you reach out to one organization and you know you, you don't get the warm and fuzzy, or maybe it's not the right time in life, or their budget, or somebody rubs you the wrong way, like or you know we're all human, like somebody forgets to reply to an email, or you know fat fingers a number and it goes to the wrong inbox, 
like, uh, you know, people will kind of get miffed by that. Right. And so having uh, another option that they can land onto is um, just another lifeline, really. Exactly. Because, uh, you know, the idea that the, you know, the, uh, the problem that veterans have with you know, stress and suicide, and not just veterans, because, you know, you're in damage control, so you have, like, firefighters and police officers and construction workers and oil rig workers who, you know, who go through tragedy and such. Um, and although I am not a professional firefighter, I would think that there uh, is not a case where, like, you know, another hose on a large fire could really hurt, you right. know? exactly. I'm sure some fucking nerd is probably listening, like, well, actually, according to this theory, like... <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say that was the perfect example. That was perfect. No, no, because uh, EP Mike uh, made me watch this uh, documentary. It's boring as fuck about this big ass fire that happened on a ship, and um, they're saying that they were using like the wrong thing. Like they were supposed to be using foam, but they were using water, so it was actually washing away the foam. Oh no! Yeah, and so I, I guess that would kind of kind of speak to the fact that like you know you have so many organizations out there that they may have good initiative but bad judgment, and so what they may be doing um, may actually kind of be um, contributing to the problem because right. they might be uh, taking away from organizations that are having minimal uh, impact. So if you had to say, what is the, the biggest thing that sets your organization apart? I, I would say the biggest thing that sets us apart is the fact that there is not really anything else like us uh, as far as nonprofits go for veterans um, getting gear um, I, th- I think currently there are two other organizations out there um, that uh, coordinate uh, group hiking trips, mm-hmm. um, which is fantastic. Um, but I actually uh, I hiked with one of them in a group on the PCT. They were hiking through this this nonprofit, and they said the only thing that they wish that they could change about that nonprofit was the fact that they uh, didn't necessarily get along with the group that they were placed with, oh, okay. you know, so, um, there's a, there's a huge mentality on trail. Um, you know, they basically just put five, five, you know, Afghanistan veterans, um, together, assuming that they would get along and one's not an early riser and one, you know, walks at, you know, a, a two mile an hour pace while the others walk at four, you yeah. know, and it's just like, there are other things that have to go into play for for this all to work out and yeah i get that um i think that my my idea for nonprofit is that we're giving you the gear you get to choose everything else you get to choose who you hike with you get to choose when you wake up you get to choose your you know resupply stations you get to choose what trail angel you come in contact with everything is your choice we just got to get you out there do you say trail angel Yes. What's that? I'm oh, very interested. In that. Trail angels are people that have dedicated uh, a lot of their time to helping uh, long distance hikers. Uh, okay, so they're like guides, like almost like Sherpas. Right, kind of like Sherpas, uh, but they they stay in their house, their houses, and uh, are in their facilities are usually super close to like off the trail. Yeah. Um. So it's just as much as you know, it's getting getting to their place, and they'll they'll feed you, they'll let you wash your clothes. Um, they'll let you ha- take a shower as opposed to, you know, paying $90 and bu- like 10, 10 hikers use the same shower, you know, yeah, paying money. Because when you said uh, Trail Angel, I just had this idea of like co-host Mike, like in like a, a sash and nothing else and like being lowered from a tree. He's like, <laughs> I bless you with beef jerky. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's, I mean, they all, they all were so cool in so many different ways. There's one um, that was called Hippie Daycare and they're the entire PCT hiking season uh they're dedicated to feeding us they serve nachos and cheese and like make nachos every single day for the 
for the, um, the hikers and nachos rule right and they let us paint rocks <laughs> and we put the we, we put these big slabs of rocks that we paint in their backyard that's covered in trees oh, and it's nice. like this weird like alice in wonderland looking uh kind of scene are there pictures of that on your social media absolutely and yeah. would you tell our, our listeners what yeah where they can find you on social media absolutely so it's going to be uh for instagram it's going to be at climb four underscore um, and then on on the website is www.climb-4.org and on Facebook at Climb4. And so if you're not immediately looking this up on social media, correct yourself. <laughs> like seriously, guys, like, you know, we, we, we bring these cool guests on. If you're not at least looking them up, like it's kind of a dick move in bird culture, if you know what I mean. Um, so definitely check them out. If I can ask you a personal question. Oh, yeah. Uh, do you think Candace had uh, reached out to the VA uh, before? 100%. And do you feel that uh, they did the best they could, or do you feel that there there was a, a lapse in the system? Um, it's hard to answer that question because I have gone into the VA, and I've been absolutely disgusted with the service, and I've gone into the VA, and I've come out crying from how amazing the service was. It's it's just like any other company, I feel like. For the most part, I'll, I'll touch on that a little bit later. Um, but up until 2017, 2018, when their veteran suicide prevention um, department kind of let go of their responsibilities in whatever way they, they did, mm-hmm. um, up until that point, I think they're all just, they're just like how we are. You know, they're, um, they're adjusting to what they feel. And, you know, they can't help people that don't come in. One, they can't help people who don't come in. And you guys know as well as I do that, veterans are stubborn as hell like they I mean and just coming from me just meeting you and like the 15 (laughs) minutes that I've known you and been and been dating you seriously um I I've already know that you're a pretty stubborn individual so it's it's you wound me madam (laughs) you wound me we'll talk about this in couples therapy (laughs) later um yeah because um I uh I I went to the the VA I think about a week or two ago and, you know, I was there to pick up antibiotics, you know, how it goes. And, uh, so I was just like, well, I'm here. You know, I, I might as well uh, mosey on over to the OIF OEF clinic. Oh, yeah. And they had changed it to the transition assistance clinic. And I walked in and I, I couldn't even recognize the place. It was just covered with like, hey, if you're a, a gay or transgender veteran, like here's all these pamphlets. Or if you're a single mother, like here's all these pamphlets. Mm-hmm. And like and I looked around and it's like four like guys who look like me, you know, like you know, Caucasian-ish men, you know, with mm-hmm. beards. Fire-ish angels. Yeah. yeah, and I was just like, okay, well, they, this is kind of weird. And so I, I went in there. And, like, and I get it. It's it's important to, to have programs and stuff available to small demographics uh, because you don't want to leave anyone behind. But let's be honest. If the majority of the people who are being seen there are, like, you know, guys like me, like, multiple combat tours and we're just there because we have PTSD and stuff, like, what are you really tailoring to, you know? Yeah. It's like the Marine Corps commercials I said a few episodes ago. Like, if you go to any straight-leg infantry unit, it's going to be, like, 95% white dudes mm-hmm. with a little bit of minority mixed in. But then you watch the commercials, and it's all, yeah. like, you know, minority female, minority dude, like, mm-hmm. white girl. And it's just, like, they pull out their swords. and yeah, they slay the dragon. Yeah, you know, and not even like they ha- we haven't had a good dragon slaying commercial since what For the nineties, <laughs> and that was what a white man. <laughs> but yeah, so it's, it, I my first impression when I walked in, I was just like, obviously this isn't set up to help me. You know, like they had you know some fucking activism group was just like, oh, you're not catering to this. So in typical government fashion, they knee jerked and overcorrected. And um, so I, I went in there and I was like, hello, my name is Daniel Sharp. I like w- long walks on the beach. 
uh, being right. ghosted, and uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that later. Yeah, yeah. But I've been having these crazy dreams lately. Yeah, and so I was just like, I, uh, you know, I was service connected PTSD. It's been a while since I've got some treatment. I've been struggling. Like I'd like to set up appointment. Those motherfuckers went like DefCon six. Mm-hmm. Wait, wait, wait. Is six good or bad? I'm, I feel like Michael Scott right now. Like, <laughs> DefCon one is that the most important? I feel like DefCon one is the most important. Okay, so I went DefCon three. <laughs> we'll say that. I thought it was like a one to ten scale. Um, and so they're like fucking nurses are like scrambling. There's paperwork being fucking thrown. Like people are being called and paged. And like I'm like I just want to set a mental health appointment. Like, yeah. And they're like we'll get you in and see the trauma nurse. And I'm like okay cool. And E.B. Mike walks out. <laughs> Stark naked. Well, I'm actually, Stark I'm actually naked. kind of like pleasantly surprised that it happened like that for you. Uh, no, but it was almost sure. more, uh, more harm than good. Yeah, I can see that. I walked into the the triage center and they had like the provider, and she, the first thing she said, she's like, "All right, we're gonna go ahead and um and commit you for for about ten days, ten to fourteen days, just for an evaluation." And I looked at her and I was like, "Lady, I will make it to that door before you can call security." And you will never see me again. Yeah, yeah. And she was like kind of taken aback. I was like, I came in here to set an appointment. I didn't come in here with a gun trembling in my hand. And your first reaction is to say that I need to be institutionalized for two weeks. Right. I was like, how dare you? Yeah. Right. You know, like if, if this is how you're treating other veterans, like no wonder they don't want to come back. Because mm-hmm. right. the reason I stopped seeking treatment about a year or so ago is because I walked in and within 30 seconds of talking to this provider, she was writing me a prescription for um, antidepressants. Oh, yeah. Prescription writing was like... I mean, that's just basically how they get yeah. you out, get you out the door. Yeah, and so like my appointment was three minutes, and I, I walked out with a prescription for you know a, 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 a few different prescriptions mm-hmm. that take two to three weeks to even take effect. Right, exactly. And it's just like I, I just felt so belittled and like so undervalued that I didn't go back for a while, and then life happens, and I was like, all right, well, you know, let me uh, let me go into the uh, the OIFOE cliff because it's supposed to be for me, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like all my deployments fall under OIFOEF categories, so it's like this is for me, mm-hmm. and. Uh, no, and it wasn't. And so that's the first thing they tried to do. And it was just like, all right, well, I'm going to fill this office full of uppercut yeah, yeah. if you guys try to fucking straight jacket me. <laughs> like, and they're like, okay, okay, okay. So, like, why, why are you here? And I'm like, you didn't even know why I was here. And the first thing you tried to do was, was you know, uh, commit me? Yeah, like, yeah. what the fuck? Yeah. And, yeah, so if you're a VA provider and the first thing you do is write a prescription or try to fucking hospitalize somebody, correct yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a similar, similar situation sort of happened with me uh, not too long ago. So when I, obviously in, in San Diego, when I was going through all of those things, um, drinking drinking played a role only because of my mind, right? Like, um, I don't consider myself to be an alcoholic. Uh, no one ever does. No, one <laughs> no but, um, but when I was going through all That's, those things. I want that as a video clip. <laughs> and this part, too, where I'm saying I want it as a video clip and yeah, her reaction. I want all of it. Yeah, I want all oh of it. Oh, my God. I want the world, Chico, <laughs> and everything in it. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so uh, when, I was, when I was going to the VA over in San Diego, um, I, you know, was going because, you know, I – um, my my no, way of dealing with <laughs> my way of dealing with or my coping my coping method was was by drinking and um, by the time I had gotten here and you know when I had gotten off the trail um, I I had used a couple su- substances like not alcohol that were amazing 
Um, B12 vitamins. B12 yeah. vitamins, 100%. Yes. Yep. Yep. I, I, won't, sport, I won't say sport them Vitapack. Uh, and, uh, specifically, but uh, I had somebody reach out to me the other day, and they're like, hey, would you like to try these psychedelic mushrooms? Yes! <laughs> I'm like, go on. <laughs> go on! Are you going to do that, by the way? Are you um, excited? I don't know. I, um, I would Daniel, like... we're doing it. <laughs> let's let's at least drive out to international waters yeah. uh, because we're, we're competing for a grant <laughs> uh, between $10,000 and $25,000 yeah. from a nonprofit and I don't want to be like the face of the company is doing psychedelic mushrooms. <laughs> yeah, but if I give you, I mean, if I give you chocolate for our one month anniversary, yeah. you know, who are you to know? But if I'm on psychedelic mushrooms, I'm probably going to buy a giraffe. I'm just going to put that <laughs> out there. Like, <laughs> that's, that's like obviously a baby one. That so rarely happens it. from yeah. psychedelics. Not, really? Yeah. I wouldn't know. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's as low as, as point, I think he really just wants point 0.02% of people that buy giraffes on mushrooms. But uh, uh, She said she was prepared for this episode. Yeah, and I'm impressed. Giraffe stats. It's hard to get. Honestly, I'm impressed. <laughs> I'm all about the stats. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I came back, uh, I came to uh, Virginia, and by this point, you know, my, I, I think my, obviously I'm still drinking, <laughs> but it's it's definitely not an, it's not an issue anymore, like I'd much rather stay home, like I have better coping, coping methods, I, you know, I hike, um, I have two dogs, you know, I have this nonprofit to kind of funnel my attention into, which has yeah. been super helpful, Um and I went in uh, to just kind of get checked in because this was a new VA. This was a new state. I didn't know how to even transfer my my stuff over from California to here. So I was just going in. Um, I was really just going in just to get checked in, yeah. you know, just to say, hey, I'm now living here. I'm no longer living in California. And uh, I just need to know what to do. And also I might need to I think I'm a little bit depressed and I have like some anxiety and the anxiety was building because of me um, starting this nonprofit. So I was like, I think I need to get on some, you know, either some anti, uh, you know, anxiety meds or, uh, you know, or just talk to a therapist and see how I can better, you know, um, cope with uh, this anxiety that I have. And uh, they're like, yeah, just one second. We'll send you over to this window and uh, we'll get you we'll get you looked at. And I'm like, OK, cool. Um, so I, you know, go into this room with this doctor or nurse or not nurse. I don't know what it was. And uh, individual, individual, <laughs> this individual who seemed to be uh, like adequately qualified. Um, um, they started asking me a bunch of questions. Um, they were like, um, you know, have you ever been arrested have you ever blah 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 like going through the questionnaire of do i have a drinking problem blah 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 so i i'm telling them i was like oh yeah well when i was in california like i i was seen because uh, i was kind of a mess back there and uh so so yeah i guess you could say that i have i have struggled with you know alcohol abuse or you know drug abuse whatever you want to call it and uh and they're like okay uh interesting yeah um so we'll get you we'll get you set up for an appointment to uh further go over this um that's going to be next month and i was like okay perfect um i was and i made sure because i was actually going home uh for a few days to louisville kentucky and i was like just make sure that it's before this date because i'll be gone for a week and they're like yeah absolutely it took a a whole month a whole month it took 30 days it was 30 days from the day that i walked in and so that, that was similar in my experience where I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I still think I have like another two weeks before my appointment. Right. Like just in the meantime, I'm just like listening to Lucid Dreams and I Miss You by Blink-182 <laughs> yeah, on repeat. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. 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 But um, so I, I get over there. Uh, I go to my appointment 30 days later and, um, and I'm sitting in an office and the woman is asking me questions. She's being very friendly and nice. And, uh, and she was like, so, you know, wh- 
now's where we talk about, you know, the, the check-in process. And I was like, the check-in process for what? And uh, she was like, oh, for your, you know, it's it was like an alcohol abuse, like inpatient treatment. Yeah. And I was like, wait, what are you talking <laughs> about? Because I'm just here for anxiety. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, and they were like, well, it says on your, you know, al- you know, alcohol abuse. I'm like, no, this was completely misunderstood. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, well, you're going, you're, you're here to check in. And I was like, no, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not checking in to anything. Yeah. Um, I leave yeah. for Kentucky in two days and I'm not doing anything. So we're going to fix this right now. At this point, I'm like losing my mind i look like an insane person <laughs> at this point they probably should have checked me in with how i like That's with how i responded i know exactly i think and you um you said something that is very interesting um and we i think we both kind of hit on this where you go in there and you don't know who you're talking to you don't know their qualifications not. you don't know uh what their, their their degree or their training is and you just go in there and it's kind of like the military where you know you just like put your trust in somebody like some fucking parachute rigger or some fucking motor T Bubba mm-hmm. shows up and you just have to trust that they know how the fuck to do their job. Yeah. And so you walk into the VA and they shuffle you around like pinball and you know, wherever you land, you have this person who's about to make a decision that could impact the rest of your life. And you don't know what their qualifications are. You don't, what I would absolutely fucking love to do is to get EP Mike, put him in a lab coat, and have him just walk around to people at the VA with a glove being like, time for your prostate exam, yeah. and see how many people go with just him. Just go. Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> and then, like, you know, of course, like, if they start following him to the bathroom, we, like, run up and be like, no, you got, like, like this man is a deviant. <laughs> <laughs> and then all three of us just fight him. Exactly. <laughs> and then, and the then our job here is done. Yeah. Exactly. EP Mike is gone. <laughs> and then we get the medal. <laughs> and that's how you get a name. <laughs> yeah, to... Um, yeah, two sailors and a Marine beat up army <laughs> soldier trying to sexually harass and assault patients even the in the VA. Even the blog writer's like, what? <laughs> How can we even put this in yeah, the news? What the fuck? Yeah, he has the biggest smile in the world right now. Like, the <laughs> idea that he might get some prostate action. Exactly. Yeah. He's like, who needs a glove? Right? <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> yeah, so, like, and I think that that kind of speaks to the... Um, the, uh, the, the severity of the appointment to which the people who work at the VA uh, adhere to. Mm-hmm. You have this vulnerable individual who walks in, and, and I, that's what I told the, um, the provider. I was like, look, I wasn't brought here. I walked in. I am here to set an appointment. You know, like I wasn't brought in here against my will. I'm not at risk. I'm not displaying ideations, which I was. I was just wanted to tell her that. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, because like I have five different certifications in this through the military. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, and I told her that I was like, I've been giving this class long enough to know that when you get to a certain point, if a student or a marine or whoever sailor were to come up to me and express these signs and symptoms, this would be my advice. I'd be mm-hmm. like, all right, look, what you need to do now is make sure you're safe for now, and then let's get you the next echelon of care. Right. And so I am bringing myself to the next echelon of care. And your first knee-jerk reaction is to go high into the right. Yeah, I was like, that's gonna make me never want to come back. Like, how am I telling you how to do your job? Right. You know. And then, but thankfully, um, I sometimes wish that I I didn't have any attachments to this world. You know, that uh, it'd be be easier to let go. But yeah, you know, I had to go and get a little popular. And I know exactly. it's the worst. Yeah, my parents had to. Famous, yeah. yeah, my parents had to keep fucking, and I have these little sisters. Right. Yeah, because <laughs> stop that for me. Yeah, seriously, because like the last thing I would want them to send and get some like shitty memorial tattoo, uh, because I killed myself. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if you're gonna do it, at least well, a you know do it well. 
yeah. and B, like, don't use it as an excuse to go out and fucking get high and fuck dudes and, right, right. you know what I mean? Because you see people like... I feel like you're talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> you, I don't need an excuse. You, as a, as a young, impressionable yeah. female, had right. an older brother kill himself and now you just have lots of sex with dudes and do drugs? <laughs> How I cope is how I cope. <laughs> how dare you? Yeah, because like we, I think we, you know, the for the majority of us, we've all dealt with one loss or another. You know, whether it be a, a family member or a friend, a coworker, somebody we went to high school with. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a rash there for a while, where EP Mike was having like somebody he went to high school with die like every week yeah, yeah. for like a f- for a few weeks, and mm-hmm. and uh, so you know we've all dealt with loss, but it's just the way that you uh, that you cope with that, the way mm-hmm. you choose to cope with that. Because at the end of the day, everything's a choice. Absolutely. And there are things that are that happen t- uh, to you that you can't control. You can't control if you feel sad. Mm-hmm. It's a chemical reaction. Right. You, know, you can't control if, uh, if somebody's mean to you, if somebody betrays you, whatever the case is. But what you can control is the way that you respond um, to these things. And so, you know, if you're listening and you're going through something hard, uh, ease up on the alcohol a little bit. Believe me. <laughs> that's the best advice you're probably going to get. Best advice. Yeah. Uh, and also to go with that, uh, reach out to somebody because yeah, yeah, you might go there and you might get offended by the way you're treated. You may not feel that you're, you know, treated the right way, but at the very least, just the action of taking yourself to get hope shows you that you're not willing to give up on yourself. That's right. Fight for yourself as hard as you would fight for somebody else. There you go. Absolutely. So, um, if, if you feel that, uh, that there is anything that the VA could do better as a whole, um, how would you summarize that in like a sentence or two? Oh, <laughs> well, um, I don't know if you guys had read um, the articles that came out, I don't know, like a few months ago based off of the... Like, the Bold two- of you to assume we can read. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. Have, have you not, no. not the audience. Yeah, have you not seen the people sitting next to you? Let, me, <laughs> let, me, just, <laughs> let me just explain. Let me just... Do you guys have a pen and paper? I'll just make drawings. Oof. Oof. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oof. Um, but yeah, so... Uh, 2018, uh, the VA kind of dropped the ball on their. Uh, uh, on hey, their 2018 spend- was just like a few months ago. Yeah, so for the entire year of 2018, they dropped the ball. Mm. So, um, so it was it was noted that um, there was about 6.2 million dollars worth of funds um, to go towards specifically towards uh, veteran suicide prevention. Mm. Do you guys want to guess how much they had used by September? I'm going to say about $1.58 million. I'm going to guess just over $2 million. Okay. Um, it was actually $57,000. What? Jesus Christ. Uh-huh. I mean, I feel like, hey, listen up, VA. Like, we're going to have the secretary of the VA at the next Burbiz. We are, yeah. So I'm going to go up and be like, hey, you, you should spend this other $5.5 million sponsoring the smoke pit. Right, no shit. Absolutely. <laughs> and we'll turn it into an entire activism <laughs> platform. Yeah. The podcast is just singing the laurels of the VA and how you should get help. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, we practically do that anyway. No so yeah. maybe we should at least get $5.5 right. million dollars yeah. for it. But that's, I mean, it's less than one. That's 1%. It's yeah. less than, if you think about it, less than 1% of the funds that they had to use for veterans. Veteran um, suicide prevention. I'm calling malarkey. I'm gonna bust oh. out the ca- the calculator. Yeah, let's try it out. I hope I'm right. Uh, huh. <laughs> You're gonna test his math for Marines oh, on his no. own show. <laughs> All right. So what was the budget? Six point two million. Six point two. I actually put a period in there I instead know. of comma. Oh my god. Right. <laughs> so like she's gonna be right. divided by one hundred is. I was wrong. Oh wow! One percent is sixty-two thousand, so less than one percent. Way less yeah. than one yeah. percent. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. I forgot there was such a thing as five hundred thousand. 
<laughs> which would have been 10%. But right. yeah, uh, you heard it here, folks. Um, in, in our first couple's argument, I was wrong. <laughs> and she was right. Wow, you will make healthy. up for this. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Speed up. Gas pedal. Gas pedal. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it's kind of alarming, and it's and it's and it's uh, it's unacceptable. Oh, really. it's absolutely yeah. unacceptable. Ooh, perfect segue. Ghosting. Oh wow. We're when is it acceptable yeah. and when it is not? Because we said we we're going to talk about we it. We are. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But before we get into that, make sure you try combat comb over pomade. <laughs> you haven't plugged it yet. Yeah. No, I have. Do you mind? You mind? Sorry, I'm so sorry. You mind I'm if so I fuck this one? I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'll hold the camera. You fuck this. Camera. Go ahead. <laughs> Yeah, so as I was saying, uh, Combat Comer Pomade, uh, available in several different scents, like I Married a Stripper, Disgruntled NCO. Um, I think currently right now I have trace amounts of um, my recruiter lied in. Mm-hmm. So wow. if you're wondering how my hair is so luscious and voluminous, mm-hmm. uh, I haven't showered in like a week, so it's only a little bit left, so it's not greasy. That's like the perfect level of, um, of amount to be in there. <laughs> but if you need a stronger hold, uh, make sure to use as much or as little. And then you can tag your posts on their Instagram, tag them on Facebook, check them out, combathomeover.com. I actually use this product unlike yeah. um, <laughs> when you listen to some other shows and they're like, oh, use this. And like, dude's never touched it. Like yeah. I literally have four cans in front of me <laughs> and I've I'm, uh, I actually have a fifth in the bathroom that I'm most of the way done. Yeah. What are they touched? Well, I haven't got to it yet because I'm still using the other. It called him out. I was actually going to say, I was yeah. actually going to say, wow, that's a lot of use. <laughs> he totally called himself mid- out <laughs> in the middle of his own smell plug. That, oh, that smells. We're speed smells. up, gas. Where's, <laughs> where's cocaine and hookers? Yeah, try that. Smell cocaine that. and hookers? Yeah. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Oh my. Yeah. That's not what I. Expect. I would expect a stripper to smell. I mean, I've been into a strip club before. Well, it's hooker, not stripper. Yeah. Oh. There's a difference. Oh, oh gosh. <laughs> Those of us who have been low enough know the difference. <laughs> that smells really good. Yeah. yeah so. It's also not what cocaine smells like. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you can put real cocaine in the product. <laughs> Just throwing it out there. Of real yeah, exactly. You'll be awake for days. <laughs> so, um,. I think it's perfectly acceptable to go somebody if they're not wearing combat comb over. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll, we'll, we'll uh, send it over to Mike first. Like acceptable, not acceptable. Go. I think there. Are, oof, my God. I think there are times when it's necessary, but I also think people don't know when they're ghosting, and they need to be more cognizant of it. And that's about all I have to say. If I only have a minute to talk about it, go deeper. Twenty seconds. <laughs> <laughs> go deeper. <laughs> I feel like someone who's been ghosted on a myriad of occasions. It fucking it sucks. It is the worst feeling. But also, I can't blame these people because uh, just through dating apps and through social media and stuff, I feel like I've ghosted people without even realizing it, and like may have crushed them or their hearts or whatever the fuck. People have feelings. Um, so just be more cognizant of the fact that you're ghosting if you are. And if you do it just as a sport, you can go fuck yourself right now. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. What do you have to say? I guess that's my cue to leave. <laughs> <laughs> and she ghosts the podcast. <laughs> just no, I think I think that's appropriate. I think I, I think we've kind of like molded ourselves as a uh, you know our our generation. We um, it has become. Uh, increasingly easier to avoid a situation and it's not just with dating it's with everything Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, instead of calling and telling your boss you're sick when you're hungover you literally just don't call your boss at all Mm -hmm. like it's um, it's more than that instead of (laughs) your screen went out (laughs) please edit that (laughs) instead of uh, you know um, 
like taking your time to cook an entire meal you're like oh let's just uber eats and like be lazy about it we're just lazy <laughs> individuals it's Love not it. even you guys are compatible oh my god i'm gonna propose you right <laughs> after this <laughs> i'm to say this is like a telenova i've ever heard where like i'm clearly the better option but you right, guys right. damage fits better oh, it does, it does. Our, so. our damage totally totally <laughs> control fits. my damage go ahead <laughs> Stop. Uh, but you know what i mean like we've just kind of we've 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 kind of just like developed over time this this um idea that being lazy is better and, yeah. and e- well it's e- it is easier it's always mm-hmm. going to be easier um and i think we've taken advantage of that to the point where now like other people's feelings are involved and we're we're we're, we're pu- pulling the blanket across all aspects of of what mm-hmm. that what ghosting could could mean you yeah. know i think that um, um a big consideration of it is the history with the person and the expectations that were outlined going into it uh so if you know you have a girl she comes over and you're like look i'm not looking for anything serious, but we can spend the night, the evening together and keep each other company. And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like the next day, you know, she's all like up your ass and stuff. I can give her a warning, you know, sure. be like, hey, right. look, we talked about this. And it also, the message that um, that they send will be like a big indicator whether or not I'm going to reply. Right. Like if she's just like, hey, like, you know, I was thinking about you know, our children's middle name. I'm like, whoa, 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 I pump the brakes. Yeah. But if she's like, hey, like I'm on the way with food and blowjobs. I'm yeah. like, she's not, that girl's not getting ghosted. Absolutely not. Like, Meanwhile, absolutely. she has a list of middle names, you know, that's usually how it works. Which is fine, you know, <laughs> because at least she's yeah. putting me in a combined arms dilemma, you know, like fix yeah. and flanking that's me. Right. Like yeah. that's just smart business right yeah. there. But it's if good strategy. You're, yeah. yeah, but if you're just like annoying and needy and clingy and like you're the kind of person who always has to add something, sure. you know what I mean? Like double and quadruple, triple text, like all that stuff. Mm. But like just look at it from the other person's perspective. Sometimes you will put your best effort into something and you get fucked over. Mm-hmm. But you also have to realize the fact that you didn't have to sleep with that person. You could have been uh, been like, hey, look, well, I'd like to date more before we get to that point. Mm-hmm. So if that's what happens, like you can't be surprised. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you jumped into bed with somebody and it wasn't what you expected. Right. And that being the most important thing is like outlining expectations to begin with. Like, hey, is this just for fun or are we going somewhere with this? Mm-hmm. And, then, um, and then on the opposite end, if somebody is brave enough to like outline their expectations with you, like don't be a piece of shit and lie about it. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. like I've I found in my experience that girls are exponentially more likely to have sex with you if you tell them like hey look this was my last STD test was um, this is uh, you know what I'm expecting mm-hmm. and like you give them that information allow them to make their own decision versus just like trying to be like the the cool guy who's acting like you're gonna give them the moon and the stars and then when you fucking ghost them they hate you I'm a shining knight that's right no big deal here's my yeah. horse yeah yeah <laughs> my so, horse cock you got it you got it this one gets it. <laughs> So to round that out, uh, if you if you haven't had an STD test in like the last three to six months, go fucking get one. Yeah, I get it frequently. Even Absolutely. if I've had sex in a long time, I still get one. Yeah, like, like I said, Absolutely. I was at the VA the other day picking up antibiotics, you know, yeah, yeah. so like, uh, I'm kidding, but, <laughs> but he yeah. doesn't use antibiotics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that being said, uh, that's it for us this week.